following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Uh, maybe I'll start out with just answering a very important question, and that is why. Uh, why should we care that the Chinese people hear the gospel? I mean, why not just stay here? And the answer is found in John chapter 1, verse 29. And I don't even think you have to look it up. It's, I think most of us know it. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 29 says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, if John was Chinese, he would have said, Kana shen de but he wasn't Chinese, so he didn't say that. <laughs> Actually, he didn't even speak English. So, um, uh, but I mean, what's that? <laughs> okay, well, um, he uh, he said. I mean, that was the proclamation that he is the one who can deal with our sin. I mean, there's one problem in this world, and Christ is the answer. And you know, it's, it's amazing to think that there are people in this world that will live and die without hearing the gospel one time. Unless we tell them. Right? That's what we, gotta, we can't stop there. We have to say, unless they hear. Unless the church says, we need to get the job done. And so that's why we need to get excited about just getting up and going and, and getting the gospel. And, you know, missions is something we oversimplify. It's like missionaries. That's what they do. But I was, think, I was talking to my brother, uh, he's a doctor, and uh, you know, if somebody's sick, what do you do? I mean, just take a pill. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so simple, you know? But that's an oversimplification of the process. It's like, I mean, there's got to be a, somebody who uh, researches the, the medicine, right? I mean, there's got to be a doctor who looks at you and says, oh, you got this problem, you need this pill, right? You got to have pharmacists that dispense the medicine, you got to have delivery manufacturers, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, right, to getting that pill in your belly, right? And so it's like the same thing with the gospel. There's a lot of moving parts, and everybody's involved. And so uh, we can't think of ourselves as, well, I don't really have any part of this, but no, we all do. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't even be standing here if it wasn't for a godly mother who took me and just put me under the preaching of God's Word. I mean, vacation Bible school. I mean, it's just like, I saw the gospel in pictures, and I understood it. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was it. I mean, so I think I'm getting off track here. I've got to talk about the ministry. Um, well, we're, right now we're considered as deputation missionaries. Okay, so we're raising our support so we can get to the field. Uh, but we actually started on the field. We kind of did it the back route. Uh, my wife, she's, she was born in China. She was born in the city of Shanghai. Uh, 25 million people. Big city. Big town. Okay, I was born in Wichita, Kansas. I don't know how big it was, but it wasn't very big uh, compared to China. But, uh, but she was born in a Buddhist family, and long story short, the gospel is powerful to save. And uh, there was a day that somebody brought the gospel to her family. Her mom believed, she believed, and today she's here uh, wanting to take the gospel to, to those who need it. Uh, I went to China um, when I was, uh, I think, what was I, 28 years old? Let me back up a second. Let me, let me give you my testimony first. So my mom became a believer about when I was born. And I grew up hearing the gospel. 
I knew the gospel. I got into high school, and the Lord just started to deal with my heart about eternity. I mean, it's a time in your life where you're thinking about future. And uh, I knew the Bible was true. I knew that the God who she was proclaiming and who the, I read about in God's Word was real. Uh, but I didn't want Him to be real. Because <laughs> I, I knew there was a problem with my heart. My heart was going in the opposite direction. And I wanted certain things. I wanted my way. And, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let go. And I just I knew there was, a, there was a time where I knew I just had to make a decision. Am I going to trust Christ or go my own way? And uh, there was a, we were going to a church where the pastor was preaching the gospel faithfully every week. And there was about four of us guys that got saved about the same time. And uh, we all surrendered to the ministry. We said, we're going to serve the Lord. And uh, so I said, I'm going to serve the Lord. But, you know, the devil doesn't stop working on us when we get saved. Um, in fact, that was really probably the hardest time in my life was when I got saved. Um, I went into this kind of this depression because I didn't feel like I was saved. And I would look in the mirror and say, I don't feel like a believer. And the devil was saying, yeah, it's because you're not, because you didn't really trust Christ. That wasn't real. And, uh, you know, like if you look too hard, you look close enough at your own heart, it's not a happy experience. It's like, you know, I mean, it's like, there's, this, my heart's got problems. And I just, I didn't, I was walking by feelings and not faith. And the Lord just didn't, he didn't rescue me from that struggle. He allowed me to learn to walk by faith and just to learn to believe his word. I mean, it's just read the word and just say, Lord, you're faithful to keep your word. And uh, that was like the golden lesson of my life. That was it. That was, that was the super golden lesson. Just to believe His Word and walk by faith. And I tell you what, that just brought joy. That just solved, that solved my problem. It was just like, now, Lord, I'm just going to trust You that You're faithful and just to forgive. That You want me in heaven. It's your, your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. And as soon as I did that, it was just like, it just brought joy. And it just took this burden off me. And I just knew that I want to serve the Lord. Now I can. I can invest my heart in heaven because I know you want me to be there. And uh, that was a big transition point in my life. And I was restless to serve the Lord at that time. And I remember I prayed the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, if you want me to go to China, send me to China. That's what I prayed. Okay? Now you're thinking, that's that's kind of a random prayer. Why would you just ask the Lord about China? Um, Well, it wasn't random because our family had adopted two Chinese girls. I got two sisters who were adopted from China. So China has always been a part of our family, okay? So it was already in, in my mind. And, but I asked the Lord, and he said, sure. And, <laughs> and it was like two years later, I was in China. And uh, long story short, I quit my job, went back to school, not sure what to study, took a Chinese course during the summer, and uh, it was like a one year of Chinese in two months. Really bad idea. Language is not learned like that, okay? It's not like math class. Stay up all night and get all the answers. You need the time. Your brain, my brain needed the time. But I just, the Lord put it in my heart just to love the language. And I just, I just, I just fell in love. I failed French in high school. But when I started studying Chinese, it was just like, give me the book. I don't even need a teacher. It was, just, it was so much fun. I went on to second year Chinese two months later, and I learned of a scholarship to go to China to study for free. And I applied for it. The Lord gave it to me, and I went to China. And I said, Lord, you did that. You got me here. And, uh, you know, Proverbs 16:9 says that a man's heart deviseth his way. But it's the Lord that directed his steps, right? It's like, that's what he did. It was just like, Lord, I want to serve you. And he's like, okay. Doot, 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 doot. And it's like, puts me where he wants me to be. And that's pretty cool uh, that the Lord does that. You know, and it doesn't mean that he's always going to move us. Maybe he'll re- 
have us realize that we need to stay right where we are, you know. But the Lord knows where He wants us, and if we just put our hearts upon the kingdom, that's it. That's all we need to do. Seek, his, seek first the kingdom, and He's going to give us whatever we need, and that includes direction. And not just food, but everything, right? We need direction. We need, to, we need the Lord to lead us, and so he'll, he'll give us that. The Lord put me in China. I spent two years as a teacher. I'm sorry, two years as a student. So I learned language for two years. Not sure what to do, but I mean, I wanted to serve the Lord. I just didn't know where or what and to do, and I just said, I'm going to go back to China. So I went back as a, as a teacher, okay? I'll put quotes around teacher, because I mean, I, I had no training. I was just like, they're just like, here's your books, here's your students, okay? And I was just like, but it was just like, but my English was better than their English, so it all, it worked out. It, and, uh, but it was just, the Lord put me in this city where there was no foreigners, and it took me about a year, but I eventually got connected in with the underground church. Okay, there's, there, was, there were underground churches in pretty much every city, but, uh, but it took me a while. Um, uh, yes, there was a church in the city. There was a church building, um, but that, that, was an, that was a government church. Okay, so let me explain a little bit about the situation in China. Yes, you go into China, there's churches. You probably saw in the video, there was a, we talked about a church. Now, that was a government church, okay? Now, why not just go there? Because it's legal. It's legal to go there and, and read your Bible and sing and you can share the gospel or, you know, in that place. Um, but let me, just, let me just put this to you. You can think about it with me here. The head of the religious bureau in China is an atheist. And he's got a church for you. Yeah, you can come here. This is legal, okay? Um, the Chinese, the government, the Communist Party basically to try, tried to destroy the church back in the Cultural Revolution. Now they got a church for you, <laughs> okay? And if you ask them who is the final authority, they'll say they are the final authority. They are the head of the church. Okay, well, that's, that should be a problem for any believer who reads their Bible. I mean, who's the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church, right? He is our final authority, right? Of course, we, God's Word tells us we need to submit to those, those higher authorities that God puts over us, right? I mean, God gives us, you know, authority so society is, you know, good, you know, if we need to obey. But, but if they tell us we can't obey God, then we have a choice to make, right? I mean, there's a decision we have to make. We're going to disobey somebody, right? And so um, that's why the, the underground church, that's where the true churches exist, Okay? And so that's why I was a part of the underground church. I want to be a part of the believers who say Christ is the head of the church. It doesn't mean that every underground church is a true church. I mean, it's just like in America. I mean, there's church buildings all over this town. But I'm not going to assume that they're all preaching the gospel. I mean, we know that's, I mean, we know America well enough to know that you got to, I mean, by the, the sign outside, you can kind of guess, you know. I mean, if it says, you know, Latter-day Seventh day something, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> let's go down the street, you know. But, you know, but at the same time, you still got to go in and, you know, listen. But in China, there's no sign. It's like, it's not like, oh, yeah, you know, Calvary Underground Illegal Baptist Church, you know, <laughs> at somebody's house, you know, it's like, you just don't see that. So you're not going to know about the underground churches unless you hear them singing on Sunday morning, I means you live next to them, or you know somebody who goes to one. And so... You know, as a foreigner, it took me a while. It took me about a year 
But I got connected in with some believers, and I just started attending this underground church, and the Lord just taught me some really, really important lessons, things that were very difficult, but very, very useful. And uh, I think the first one, the hardest one, was church culture in China. Church culture is hard. Uh, just because there's, there's things that we do that we get used to doing. And we think that there's only one way to worship the Lord. That's the way I do it. And, and uh, you know, but there's certain preferences that we mix with the commands of the Lord. You know, it's like, well, you know, you, the worship service, you can't sing before you pray. That's just the order of the service. You know, it's just like, or something, you know, like, I mean, I've gone to churches where if you don't wear a tie... They're like, do you love the Lord? It's like, <laughs> and then I've been to churches where it's like I show up in the whole suit, and they're like, it's not Halloween. What are you doing? You know, nobody else has a tie, and I'm just like, whatever. I don't even. I'm trying to guess what to do here, but uh, you know, but it's like we, those are really those are preferences. The Bible doesn't talk about ties or no tie or tie. But you go to China, and it's just very different. I mean, it's like, you know, you'll got 30 people in somebody's living room, and um, you know, the opening prayer was one hour. It's just like everybody stands up. You stand up and pray and sit down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And everybody says the same thing except me. I don't know how to pray in Chinese. I just say, you know, pray in my American way. And they're like, this brother doesn't know how to pray. It's like, <laughs> it's like I had to learn to speak like they spoke. And, you know, they'd share in the Lord's Supper. And they'd have one cup for everybody. So it's like start here and then there's lipstick around the whole thing for you over there in the corner. And that was just like... <sighs> That was distracting. I mean, it's just like, I'm supposed to be thinking about my relationship with the Lord and my brother. Oh, man, I hope I'm not the last guy. <laughs> like, that was just like, but it was like, I, you open your Bible, you can't find where God talks about the dimensions of the cup or how many cups you're allowed to use. It's just not there. There's certain things you can't change about the Lord's Supper. But the, the size of the cup, the number of the cups is not one of those things, Right? And so it's like where you got to go into the Word and say, well, hey, there's some freedom here. You know, there's some differences. We can be different about certain things. And that was a good thing to, for me to have to learn to, to adapt to culture. And, uh, you know, if I go in, you go in there with, as a missionary, goes in and tries to set up a, an American church. It's just like, it's like a round, what do you call it? What's that? Round hole and a square peg or whatever. You know, it's just like, it's just there has to be some adjustment, you know, but um, but I think the, the probably the more important thing that the Lord had to teach me was about standing strong on God's word, where culture really goes against God's word, and it that happens everywhere. I mean, in our culture, we know that there's churches. I'll put quotes around that churches who are claiming to follow the the Lord, but they're going against God's word. They're listening to the culture. They say we're gonna the culture is gonna teach us how to read God's word. That's a dangerous thing to do. And it's like, we can't let that happen. I mean, this is the unchanging factor. This doesn't change. God's Word doesn't change. So we take the, the Word of God and we judge the culture by the Word of God. Right? We, we can understand the problems in a culture by what God's Word teaches. And uh, the, the Word of God should change us and then we change the culture. Right? I mean, that's how it should work. Not the other way around. And, uh, but one of the difficulties in China was that really bothered me, and it should bother me, but... It was very hard to get men in the church. And when they come, it was hard to get them to stand up and lead. It was just, I mean, that's hard everywhere, I think. But in China, it just seemed to be more an obvious problem. And, you know, because of that, 
lot of times they'd be training up the ladies to be the pastors and to lead the churches. And so, you know, in the house churches, and I was like, well, is that okay? I mean, the culture was telling me it was okay, but it's like, does God have a pattern for leadership that we're expected to follow? Does God want men just to let the ladies do everything and they just go fishing? Which sounds like a good idea, but uh, that was a joke, okay? <laughs> it's okay to laugh. But, but no, he does have a pattern. God wants men to be strong in the Word, to love and lead their families and lead in the church. And, you know, but they would say, well, it doesn't work in our culture. That's America. It works in America, but not in China. And I was like, well... I mean, but God has, he's, in his word, he's pretty clear. And, you know, maybe in culture it doesn't work, but it works in God's house. Right? I mean, if we follow God's word, then we'll be blessed, and then the, the culture should be blessed because our obedience to God's word. That's how it should work. Right? And so, but it was kind of a difficult time because I was kind of the bad guy saying, why are we not moving in this direction, you know? And uh, it was kind of through that difficulty that we prayed and we said, Lord, please give us a church uh, that we've, that we felt was following God's word and it was preaching the gospel. And it was through that prayer that uh, we, through uh, various means, we, or through a missionary that actually got kicked out of China, um, he had told us about another missionary that was serving up in the city of Dalian. So if, there's a, if, you go to, if you look at North Korea on the map, go about two hours west, there's a coastal city, it's called Dalian. And they were planning a church up there. And so... We went up and saw what they were doing and said, I think this is an answer to our prayer. Um, and uh, he was willing to train, train me and let me serve. And so I, I quit my job. We moved up and just started helping out with that ministry. I was, doing, I was working full time, but I was helping out just serving in the church at that time. And, and it was just, it was wonderful. It was like I got a chance to serve. And uh, in a way that I didn't before because, um, you know, Chinese, the Chinese churches, they were a little bit afraid of me. The believers were afraid of me, not because I'm a scary guy. I mean, I'm not scary, but just because I'm, I'm a foreigner. And, you know, under, the, the believers in the underground churches, they know that what they're doing is illegal. They, they know. They understand their situation. The Chinese people outside the church, they, they have, they're clueless. They don't even, they come into your church, they have no idea that it's illegal. I mean, that's just the way that, you know, the government works. They want to keep people in the dark. <clears throat> but, the, of course, the, the believers in the underground churches, they understand uh, they know what, what they're doing, and they know that it's illegal. And so if a foreigner comes in, that just puts the spotlight upon them. And so it's like they wouldn't really allow me to, to do much. They wouldn't allow me to teach or to preach. Or, so it's basically I just sit there and you know, invite people. But, um, but I, with this missionary family, they were up there, and I, we moved up, and I just got a chance to do everything. It was just I got to preach, I got to teach, I got to lead uh, Bible classes and help with the outreach. And uh, it was just such a good time. And uh, so we spent about two years uh, just helping out with that. And uh, after that, we felt the Lord calling us to come back to join the mission board, get more training so we could go back and help out and do the same thing and uh, start another church in that city. That was our goal. Okay. So we were going to kind of kind of branch out, kind of be a, under that same ministry, but just start a new, new work in that city. Well, we came back to the States, and it was a few months later, the church was raided by the police, the pastors were arrested, and they were looking for the foreigners, okay, which would be me, <laughs> okay, and so we realized we're not going to be able to go back to that city, and then it, we started deputation, COVID, 2020 came around, and uh, things just kind of shut down for China, 
and uh, visas were just, they're just, you know, missionaries not able to get in. And so we, a couple months ago, we decided that, well, that missionary family is in Taiwan, and so we need a plan because we're getting closer to the end of the deputation. We're at about 80% of our support, and so we're going to, our main, our original intention was to go and be an extension of their ministry and start a new church. And so we, uh, we decided that we're going to kind of do a detour through Taiwan, and we're going to, hopefully by the end of the year, we're going to go there, okay? And so uh, it's a good choice, uh, second choice, because we don't have to learn the language again, you know, new, no new language. Uh, they speak Mandarin Chinese in Taiwan. And so right now we're kind of working through the paperwork to get there, and uh, we're just kind of playing by ear, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to guess what's, hap- what, what's going to happen these days. It's like here, you know, month by month, uh, things are changing. But uh, I'll just, just let me share real quick what we plan to do when we get there. Um, you know, we won't have to do language school. So all we have to do is, I mean, once we raise our support, uh, basically what we're going to do is we're going to go and uh, probably with some help, we're going to go and kind of search out a good place to start a, a church probably be about 30 minutes from that other family in, in the city of Taiyuan. And, you know, 30 minutes, that doesn't sound like, around here it's like 30 minutes. Yeah, that's like four houses, you know. It's like <laughs> not many people around here. But in China, like 30 minutes, that's like a whole new civilization, right? You know, it's like there's a lot of people. Uh, it's, a lot, it's a very dense population. So 30 minutes is quite a, quite a ways. Uh, but we're just going to go and find a place, uh, a lo- good location, and we're just gonna we're gonna rent a place, and then we're just gonna go and start inviting people, and we're just gonna start preaching. We're gonna start inviting people to Bible classes, and just start. <clears throat> I mean, if I could just summarize what we do, it's just basically just giving, getting people under the preaching of God's word, and that's it. <clears throat> I mean, uh, get people in. We'll do Bible classes. We'll do maybe outreach. Uh, we'll do we'll do preaching on Sundays and midweek and just get preaching people in under the preaching of God's word and let God's word do a work in people's life and I know my testimony is got people in my life getting me under the preaching of God's word that's it I mean my mom was like come here you're going to vacation Bible school you know somebody said here read this book you know here let's go to this Bible study go to church and it's like just the word of God just coming in and just working in my life and producing fruit and I, I don't have confidence in what I can do this scares me Plant a church? I can't do that. I don't think I can do that. But, <clears throat> but I know that God's word can do a work in the Chinese people's life. And you know, we're just faithful to proclaim. I mean, that's it. That's all we got to do, right? And so I, I feel confident that God, God, God can do something if we're just if we just do that. And so, yeah, that's our that's our plan. So, I guess questions. We we'll leave some time for questions. Yeah. The population? I forgot. I should have known all the statistics. That the videos talks about mainland. That's 1.4 billion, but actually Taiwan's population. I forgot. Sorry, but not as many as mainland China. That's for sure. It's not. No, it's not as dangerous. And uh, in China, it's just things are changing so fast. It's like the. I don't really. I don't really know. Like. Um, China is really on the kind of on the vanguard of, of using technology to control. And, you know, the, the current president, he's really tried to, to centralize control of religious activity. That's one thing they hadn't, hadn't done very well in the past. It's like everything that's happened, like you hear about missionaries that got kicked out of China in the past. Well, that was just a local problem in general. Unless, well, let me, actually, that's not true. If they got kicked out, then it was, 
that was the, I mean, they, the border would know that. Like, they tried to get back in. But, you know, if, if something happened in this town, it was local police, they could probably just go to another town, and they wouldn't really know about it. But that's something that China's trying to kind of centralize. And they can do that now with technology. So it's getting harder to do ministry in China, even with the Chinese believers. Because um, they can control online. They can control, you know, I mean, they can keep people in their houses. They can just, I mean, with COVID, that's just, you know, and... But uh, Taiwan is, is not that way. It's, it'll, it's not, they're not gonna, we're not going to be restricted in that way. Uh, Taiwan is going to be more, the difficulty is going to be more like America where there's apathy. I mean, people got, they got money, they got cars, they got um, food. And it's like, you want a Bible? Meh. <laughs> I mean, that's the way, you know. And so, and China is that way too, the bigger cities. But if, you know, you go to the poorer areas, they're more receptive. But, yeah, so we... We won't have to face those difficulties, um, um, so we'll be, we can be all more open with our uh, outreach. Um, but, yeah. Yes, sir. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's um, the simple answer is it's the, the human heart is the same. <laughs> I mean... You know, it's, it's, it can be very deceptive because people will go to China and they'll, have this fall, they'll come to a false conclusion that the people are so receptive to the gospel. Because it's true, if I go to China and I'm like, hey, I, wanna, I have a Bible study. If I tell all my students, they will all want to come. They'll all want to come to my Bible study. <clears throat> and it's like the people will come to the automatic conclusion, wow, they're so open to the truth. But when you start to ask the right questions, you realize they have no idea what, you're, what the Bible talks about. And so they're thinking English, foreign culture. Uh, and so it's like, you know, in America, if, if somebody sees this book, walk down the street and say, hey, can I talk to you? People see this book, they'll be offended. They're like, they don't want to talk to you because Americans know something about this book. They, they know that it, the message is an offensive message. It means you're not okay the way you are. Right, but a Chinese person, they see this book, they have no idea. So, um, but once they start to hear and understand, then it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I want that. I kind of like my sin, you know. So I guess it's you could say it's the same, but um, you know, a poor China, in the poor areas, they're more receptive. You go to the cities where they got jobs, money, cars, they're less receptive. It's no different than America, in that sense. So. Um, but, it, you know, in the past, in the Cultural Revolution, they had nothing. I mean, people just, they were, they were eating tree bark. It was so, and that was a time the church just exploded. I mean, it's just like, they had nothing. They, they were like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll listen, you know. And so that's when, that's when the house church movement just exploded during that time. Persecution and poverty, the church just exploded. And so, uh, but now it's different. So, uh, in Taiwan, I'm, I'm going to have to, I, I'm not really sure if we, um, we have to be so careful about the smaller areas. Like, we can go out there. But I think it'd be better to work in the bigger cities, more dense population. Um, but in China, the mainland China, we, we can't really work in the, 
the small, like the countryside areas, just because there's, there's no foreigners out there. And it's like, I stick out like a sore thumb. It's like everybody would be like, you know, I want to go see what the foreigners are doing today. You know, it's like, and I, I mean, they would know everything I'm doing. But if you go to the bigger cities, it's like, I mean, there's foreigners, there's, there's teachers, there's business, there people there for business, there's students. And so I, they, see, they look at me and they're thinking, well, you're either one of those. They don't know, even know what a missionary is. So um, it's, easy, it's easier to blend in and you can do ministry longer. But um, in Taiwan, I, don't, I think we'll, we'll be in more of dense populations just so we can reach more people. Um, yeah. Oh, no. How much time have we got? So the short version. Well... The short version doesn't sound as good as the long version. And there's my version, there's her version. And then there's actually what happened. But if you ask her version, then it ends up being my version because I'm going to translate. So, But we met, um, okay, so I'll give you the long version short, in a short way. But long story short, we met online, okay? That doesn't sound very good. But uh, we were in different cities, and the city I was in, yeah, I, I, was met, I met believers, but it just seemed like the culture was just so different. It was like, I mean, Chinese culture is like the parents decide who their parents or their kids marry, and they don't marry foreigners, because otherwise you'll just leave and don't come back. And so it's like, it was just, I don't know, I just didn't, I wasn't meeting anybody, and so I said, I'm going to cast the net wide, so I went on to this thing and put some Bible verses. I said, if there's any believers out there, they'll understand so I put some Bible verses on this. It, was like, it wasn't like a Christian mingles or whatever. It wasn't, they don't have that. But uh, she kind of did the same thing. And we, she said she wanted to practice her English, which I don't know. We still haven't practiced her English till this day. But, um, but that's okay. But uh, we just became friends. And I, one day I said, I'm going to go see her. And so I took a train. It's like two hours train. And did that, started doing that every week. And four months later, we got married. So, and she was a believer, she, uh, for, for about five years before we got married, and, but I mean, it was, that's hard, that was a hard thing, because it's like, you know, in America, you usually know people, their background, their, you know, you, you usually come with a very similar background, more similar, but in China, I mean, we were, everything was different, I mean, she didn't grow up in Sunday school, she grew up in a Buddhist family, and, you know, it's like, and, uh, of course, we don't think the same. We don't speak the same language. And, uh, you know, I would, it was just, I'd say, hey, you look great today. And we'd start fighting. <laughs> you know, <what> I'm <laughs> it was like, I don't know. Like, the way we communicate was different. And, uh, but it was just, you know, but the Lord was in the middle. It's like, and so it's like, I'm just going to forgive you, even though I'm always right, you're wrong all the time. And <laughs> anyway, I could go on about that. But, yeah, that's, our story is a little bit unique. I don't recommend that method, um, but I mean the Lord. If He, that's what He wants us to do, then we'll do it. And uh, but the Lord's blessed. I mean, if He's in the middle of it, I don't see anything in the Bible that says two believers can't get married. So it's like we got married, and we just we're working it out and growing in the Lord. So that's our story, and I'm sticking to it. I don't care what she says. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yes, ma'am. Good question. So Bibles in China, I'll talk about mainland. Um, that Bible back there, the smaller one, is it out there? Oh, oh yeah. The one with the red side, that was bought in a government church. Yeah, 
And so, and it wasn't translated by the government, okay? It was translated by missionaries and Christians. I mean, it was, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good translation. I mean, it's, there's certain things about it that, that are difficult because it's, the language has changed. Like the way people understand the language has changed over 100 years. And so sometimes you read something and be like, that, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit what the Bible says over here. But then the way they understood it 100 years ago is, yeah, that's what it means. And so there's, there's some difficulties there. Um, but uh, you can buy those in China. You can't buy a stack of them. You can't go into the government church and say, I want you know, 300 Bibles for my house church. They won't sell them to you. They'll give you one and they'll wrap it up so nobody, nobody will see you carrying it out. But uh, for a while, you could buy Bibles online. The government caught on to that. They outlawed that. So, um, but, I mean, you can get Bible on, you know, I mean, you can't control everything coming through the Internet. And so, in Taiwan, I'm, I think you can buy them very easily. But, um, but, you know, we printed Bibles in China. I mean, if you think about it, in China, there's, there's illegal everything. <laughs> it's like, you can buy fake iPhones, you can buy fake baby formula, which is dangerous. I mean, so if you just pay somebody money, they'll do something for you. It's like, here, would you print this for me? And so we actually printed Bibles. And so, I mean, you, of course, you have to find the connections to do that. But, um, you know, there's ways to get God's word to people. So there's no famine of, of the Bible in China. It's a famine of a desire want the Bible. That's like in America, right? There's no shortage. It's just people don't want. And so, um, yeah, it's not like in the past where you have to smuggle Bibles in China. There's, there's ways to get, I mean, in the country, you can take a USB and then try to, you know, print somehow. Um, or you just read on your app. But that's a good question, though. Anybody else? Yes, sir. So um, our goal is, is first of the year. That's our goal, and uh, it's pushing it. The thing is that's going to slow us down a little bit is the documentation that Lily needs. And I can talk about that later. It's not something we're, it's, there's some things about it that we have, to, we're, we have to keep a little bit quiet about because she's a mainlander. Things that we do to prepare for, to go in another place uh, may, we don't know, there's certain consequences that we don't know. We've never done this before, and so I'll, I can tell you later if you ask me about specifically what we need to prepare that. But, um, but yeah, support-wise, that should be enough time to, to get all our support, uh, but we're just working on the, the documents we need for the visas. And so, yeah, I mean, if the Lord wants us there, we can get there tomorrow. So, um, but uh, we'll just, I think January should be, that's our goal. Yes, ma'am. I mean, yeah, so the question was about the relationship with China and Taiwan, what's happening today. I mean, we may go to bed in Taiwan and wake up in China. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth. It's like we're looking at Ukraine and what's happening there. It's like China's like, we're coming for you. You know, it's like, and I believe it's going to happen. I believe it, but it's like, what can you do? You know, it's like, we'll just go. And uh, I mean... When it happens, who knows? Like, you know, we can always guess, but um, so yeah. 
Anybody else have a question? Sure. So pastor said you can't preach for less than 40 minutes. So, no, I'm just kidding. Don't worry. I've done a five-minute message before. When I started out, the pastor was like, you're preaching next week, five minutes. I was like, I was like, spent like 40 hours on a five-minute message, and it was like really bad. But um, Okay, no, I just, I, just a short, uh, just a challenge. Not really a preach this whole sermon, but just a challenge from God's Word. And... Uh, you know, as a missionary, I guess I, I'm supposed to teach, preach a missions message, but I figure if you invited him, you, you allowed us to come, you're missions-minded anyway, so it's like, you know, I don't need to pound too hard on that one. So, but I, I just uh, challenge, a challenge that, I, I mean, it blesses my heart every time I, I preach this, so I'm just going to preach it again. First <laughs> uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 and 10, and... Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And uh, just real quick, I just want us to look. Um, let's examine a church planter. Uh, the guy's name was Paul. And he was a real church planter. I mean, he was, I mean, I'm just a wannabe. I mean, it's just like, I'm just like pretending. He was a real church planter. He was just like, there's no gospel presence in this area. He's going to go there and just start preaching a message that nobody has ever heard. I mean, Christ has risen from the dead. That was just, that was, nobody had ever heard of anything like that. And he went to this, this, this city, and he just started preaching the gospel. And, of course, some people were like, this is ridiculous. This guy's crazy. Some people were like, yeah, we'd like to hear some more. This is interesting. But there was a group of people who heard the message, and they believed. And Paul took those believers, and he said, all right, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to teach you God's word. I'm going to live an example and in, Paul just basically started a church in that, in that city with those, uh, the church of Thessalonica. And, of course, Paul, he had to leave, and every time he had to leave, it's usually because of persecution, right? They just drove him out. And so Paul, he left, and it wasn't just, Paul didn't just say, okay, I'm done with that, one down, I'm going to go start a new work. Uh, but that, those believers were with him. I mean, in his heart, he was just, they were on his mind. And he would, I think he was tossing and turning at night thinking, man, I really, I really hope that, that what happened there in Thessalonica was truly a work of the Spirit. That they really, that they really believed the gospel. And finally, he just couldn't take it. And he said, Timothy, I know I need you here, but I need you to go back. I need you to go back and find out how they're doing. So he sent Timothy back. Timothy comes with a report and says, here's the report. And Paul reads it, and he says, praise the Lord. I'm so glad to hear about you. Now I know that truly, you truly did receive the gospel, and it was truly you are the work of the Spirit. Is, that was the work of the Spirit that's going on there in Thessalonica. All right? Now let's stop for a second. Let's fast forward to our day. And let's just think about, you know, when we look and we say, okay, that church over there, that's, that's, real, that's a great church. You know, when people say something like that, man, that's a great church down the street. What do, what do a lot of times people think about? I mean, it's usually what they're looking at. Man, look at the numbers. Oh, man, look at the budget or look at the programs or look at the, you know, summer activities or whatever. I mean, they look at certain things that I don't think Paul even thought about. I mean... Paul didn't even think about the size of a building, right? 
And, <clears throat> you know, if you think about, think about it this way, the day, the hour, the day that we live, is, it's, a very, it's, almost a, it's a very dangerous hour in church history because if you just had a billion dollars and you said, I'm going to go start a church down the road. So you buy a building, you get all the pews, get all the stuff, and you're like, okay, well, we need some people. So let's go down to Walmart. Just start hiring people. Just say, hey, just be there on Sunday. We pay by the hour. Just sit there. When the, when the pastor pounds this pulpit, just say amen. And then you go down to the local college and just hire a, some music majors. All right, you play the piano, you play the violin. And then uh, get a, a, a communications major just to read a sermon. And then pound the pulpit certain times and read it with conviction. All right, so Sunday comes around, and I bet most people would look at that and say, there's a church right there, right? Most people would look at that and say, there's a church. See, that has nothing to do with a true church. I mean, they do things that believers often do when they come together, right? But we define church by something that we do. It's not a quality about the people who, who are there doing those things, right? And, but we know from the Scripture that that's just, the church is it's defined by, it's a quality about the people, their relationship with the Lord. That's why they come together. Because they know the Lord. They've heard the gospel. They've believed it. And for that reason, they come together and they do these things, right? And so we've kind of we've, we've, we've we've got off the rails there, right? In the hour that we live. Most people would think that way. But, you know, what did Paul look at? and said, this is how I know that you guys are a great church. We'll say that, okay? We'll say, you guys are a great church. What are the, what are the evidences? And, of course, we boil it down to the smallest part. That's the believer, Right? And so what, what would Paul look at and say, this is how I know that the gospel was truly received. And uh, <clears throat> I, think, I think every believer, we could all just look at these and say, are these true about me? Are these things true about me? Are these the evidences that I truly received and the, truly the work of the Spirit is going on in my life? All right, let's look at the first one that Paul mentions. He says, number one, that how ye turned to God from idols. That was the first thing that he said. There was a turning to God from idols. And, you know, we, as Americans, you know, we think idol. Usually we think Chinese restaurant, the booty guy, rub the belly. There's that cat with the hand. You ever seen that thing? It's like, what do I do? Like high fives, I guess. I don't know. But that's what we think about. We think about, you know, I, I, idols, you know. We don't have those in America, right? We're too sophisticated. But uh, we know that's not true. That's, an idol is more than just a physical thing, Right? God is not just offended by things chiseled out of wood or the smell of incense or bowing down. That's not what's offensive about it. It's something going on in the heart. It's an action of the heart, right? Idolatry. And we know from the Scripture, we don't have time to talk about it, but it's not just a bad thing. Worshiping a bad thing, it's, it could be something very good, actually. An idol could be something very good. In fact, it could be a good gift that God promised you and gave you. Remember Abraham? God promised him a very good gift. Right? And that child. And God gave him that child. And you know what? One day God said, give him back to me. I want to know that you love me more than him. And he passed the test. God didn't require. In the end, he didn't. But he, in his heart, he passed the test. He proved that he loved God more. But we know anything can become an idol. But really, what is an idol? It's, it's just loving something that God made more than Him. Giving the love of your heart 
to something that he created, something in creation, more than the one who created. That's, that's idolatry, really. But here it says how they turn to God from idols. But there was a turning of the heart from loving the things of this world to loving God. Right? A heart that, the heart that, turns, that is turned towards God and that seeks and that loves God. Is that not the number one evidence of the work of the Spirit in the heart? A heart that seeks after the Lord. Is it not? That's the first thing that Paul says about them. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, if you think about it, though, I mean, what does God really want from you? I mean, when you just boil down the Christian life, what does he want from you? What can you give him? Let's put it that way. What can you offer to God? I mean, I, my Bible says that he just opened his mouth and spoke and everything just... It's like, he really doesn't need anything. Everything that I have came from him anyway, Right? And, you know, I think about, like, Joy, that little girl. I mean, what can she give me? I mean, it's just like dirty diaper, I guess. That's about, you know. Um, but, I mean, we gave her the food and the diaper. So it's like, not really. She's not really giving us anything. Um, but, you know, really what I want from her, I just want her to love me. I want her to trust me. I want that relationship with her. I mean, that just, to know that she, she desires to love me and, know that I love her and that she would trust my decisions for her, that just brings joy to my heart. That brings me joy. You know, I want to give her stuff too. It's like, it's not like, okay, you want to love me, so I'm not going to give you anything. No, I want to give her stuff. You know, a new bike, a big wheel, whatever. And, uh, you know, we go to the Walmart and it's just like, let's go look and see what you're going to get, you know. And, uh, but what if she just, one day she like took that little big wheel and just said, I love this more than you. And just rode off into the sunset. <laughs> Squeaked off, I guess, or whatever. I mean, I would just, I would just, I would hate that stupid big wheel. I'd be like, put it in the grinder. You know, I would just, I would hate that. It's like, I don't want her to love that more than me. And to think that we would love something God made more than him. What a tragedy. I mean, is that not the great tragedy? That we would love something in creation more than the God who created and gave it to us. So that's it. That's number one. A heart that seeks after the Lord. That is, that is a sign of the real deal. The second thing he goes on and says, he turned to God from idols to do what? To serve. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just kind of like a natural, though, natural uh, result of loving God. Right? I mean, to, who, do you, who do you serve? The one you love or the one you hate? Right? I mean, it's obviously the one you love, right? And so, you know, but I think sometimes as believers, we take this word serve. We take this word serve and we set it way far away from us. So it's like we can't really, we don't, we can't really get there. We can stand back and it's like, well, you know, um, to serve the Lord. I've heard some people say, well, I can't wait to get done with deputation so I can finally serve the Lord. It's just like, it's like, that's just like something that's just like, Far away from us, right? It's like, well, I don't, I don't, God hasn't called me to be a pastor or a missionary or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, so, you know, it's like, but you know what, that's, that is, that is, that's a lie. It's like serving the Lord is, we need to, we need to rethink that word. We need to think of it as doing the things that make the Lord happy. Doing things that please the Lord. I mean, that's, that brings it way close to us. That's like, that's the next thing that you think. That's the next thought that you have in your mind. Does it please the Lord? The next thing that you say, is it something that, that makes the Lord happy? The next thing that you do, I mean, that is, it is so close to us, it's the next thing. 
right? I mean, I can go to China, but if I don't forgive my brother, I'm not serving the Lord, right? And so, you know, it's really to, to serve the Lord is just to do, to do the things, to say the things, to think the things that make the Lord happy. That's what it is. A life of just pleasing the one that you love. That's just, that's an evidence. It's, it really is an evidence of the, the one that comes before. How do you know what, I mean, love, you can't see love. You just can't. You can't, it's like a seed in the ground. You can't tell if it's alive or not. You don't dig up it up and like, oh, is it alive? No. It's like you, you wait and then it's like something pops up and then all of a sudden you got fruit coming out. It's like, it's alive, right? And so it's alive, but it's like the, the, the things that we do are the things that show that that love for the Lord is there. It's just a natural, it's a natural thing that comes out of our love for Him. But to serve the Lord. And now let me just get real practical here. Just to, you know, as, as believers, I think if, if the Spirit's in your heart, you, you want to serve the Lord. I mean, it's just, that's, that's a natural thing for a believer. It's just, I want to be useful to the Lord. Right? I don't want to, on that day when I stand before the Lord, I don't want to say, I didn't, I didn't do anything to please you. I didn't, I just served my, my own desires. Nobody wants to stand on that day and to say that. We want to serve the Lord. But a lot of times we see ourselves and we think, man, I just like, it's like flipping a pancake. It's like, it comes back down. It's like, just, I just can't seem to, my life just doesn't seem to be serving the Lord and doing the things that I, I should to please the Lord. But, you know, I think there's a simple solution to that. Really easy. A quick fix. And I think about Moses. And remember Moses, he like, he went up on the mountain. And he just, he spent time in the presence of the Lord. Remember that? I mean, he was just with the Lord up there. And then he came down the mountain and his face was just like glowing. And everybody's like, get away from us. It's like, put a bag on his head or do something. We can't take this, Moses. It's just like, there's the, the glory of the Lord is like shining off your face. And I don't think, Moses, he didn't even know it, right? I mean, he was just like, and it's like, he, all he did was just spend time in the presence of the Lord. And he couldn't help but be, in, be effective for the Lord. And I, you know, I just think, our Lord, every evening he would go up on the mountain and spend time in the presence of the Father. That was, that was the, the perfect one. The perfect one who, the Lord, God become flesh, became man, walked among us, lived a life on earth. He needed to spend time in the presence of the Father. But I'm a missionary. I don't need to do that. I can just go into coast mode. I did my devotions last year, and I, I can just kind of feed off that. I don't need to pray. I, got, I mean, I've done this sermon like 50 times. I don't need to pray before I do this, you know? And then think, of, that's ridiculous. The Lord had to spend time in the presence of the Father. Who am I to think that I'm going to be useful for the Lord if I don't spend time with the Lord? And I think that's just the key. We want to serve the Lord. We just need to spend time in His presence. That's it. And um, oh, what did I? All right. So that's the uh, that's the second thing that Paul mentions, and then the last one will come really quick here because I went over time. He said, "And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God." And then the last one, he says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. There's a waiting 
for that day when we're going to be with the Lord. Now, I know Paul, he just wasn't up, he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand that we don't talk about things to come until you're, in a, until you're a mature believer, right? I mean, it's just like the book of Revelation. We'll wait. No, 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 no. You know, we don't talk about that stuff later. You know, we'll just talk about the easy stuff. These were new believers. They were probably a month old. I mean, it's like Paul was only with them for probably a month. I don't know. And he was already putting, instilling in them the hope of the coming of the Lord, the hope of the resurrection. There's a day where we're going to stand with the Lord. He's going to come and take us, and we're going to be with Him forever. Those were new believers. And who are we to think that's not something we need to teach? I mean, today it's like, I think the Lord's coming back soon. And I really do. I think the day is coming fast. I think there's, if anybody's got their eyes open, they can see that. And, you know, but there's people around, they're like, hey, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody knows the day or the hour, so just stop talking about the coming of the Lord. I'm just like, what in the world? Why would you not want to talk about the coming of the Lord? And so it's like, yeah, of course, we don't know the day or the hour. I'm not, you know, Paul wasn't writing books like, you know, 88 reasons why the Lord's coming back in 88 AD or whatever, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's a dumb thing to do. It's like, but a desire to be with the Lord. Why is that not there? I mean, if you love the Lord, your, your life is serving the Lord. Don't you want to be with the Lord? I mean, he's promised, he's preparing a pray for, place for us. He's going to take us to be with him. I mean, he's batting a thousand for keeping his word, right? I mean, he's going he's gonna to keep that. And it's like, is there not a desire in God's people for the coming of the Lord? I mean, there's more we could say about this. I mean, about saves us from the wrath to come. I mean, there's, the coming of the Lord should get, make us get busy. I mean, it's just like there's a judgment coming on this world. But, but more than that, just a desire to be with the Lord. And I'll just end with this. When I was five years old, I remember sitting outside with my brother, uh, we were up in Wyoming, and uh, my grandma and grandpa, they were driving all the way from Kansas City on my birthday up to, well, took them a couple days, but they were going to arrive on my birthday, and we were sitting outside on the deck, and my brother was next to me, and every car that drove by was grandma and grandpa. I mean, it's like, I just, when people say, man, I think the Lord's coming soon. It's like, that's, that's a forgivable thing. To be wrong. Oh, he didn't come this year. I thought he was coming. <laughs> That's forgivable. I mean, it's just, I want to be with the Lord. I want him to come back. Right? And it's like my brother, he could have been like, you false prophet. You hypocrite. You don't know the second or the minute. Go do your chores. <laughs> That's the way we act. It's like, no, I was loving their appearing. I wanted to be with grandma and grandpa. And I, that's how the church should be. We just have a simple desire just to be with the Lord and a simple love for the Lord, a simple desire just to do the things that make Him happy, to long to be with Him. That's, that really is the evidence of, a, of the Spirit working in the heart. And that's what Paul saw. He said, that's how I know that the gospel was received among you. That's the true church. That's what the believers look like that come together. And that's the people we need to be. And we all need to work on every part of those. I know. I mean, for me, it's like I need to spend more time with the Father. Right? Heavenly Father, thank You for this, this uh, hour, Lord. We Lord, please bless this. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.